Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who has been a sports reporter for over 30 years in the New York City area for such outlets as ABC Radio, ESPN New York, FAN. He has covered the New York Mets since 1984, reported on the Super Bowl, World Series, as well as NBA and Stanley Cup Finals. He's also covered national and international events like the Olympics, the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, the Masters, the Indianapolis 500, and a plethora of college football throughout the country. He is the author of Press Box Revolution and an upcoming book, The Miracle of 69, How the Mets Went from Lovable Losers to the World Series champions. It is a pleasure to welcome back our good friend, Rich Catino, the WLIE Sports Talk New York. Welcome back, Richie. How you doing? Good. How are you guys doing tonight? It's always great to be talking to you, Mark. Uh, you're the, you're, uh, you are so great at what you do. Your show is a must-listen. Check is in the mail, Rich. Thanks. <laughs> so, so first off, you know, we're going to start with this. You know, I, I'm sure people are probably sick and tired of hearing about it, but but you are so plugged in. You're the guy that we really want to speak to about this, the sign stealing scandal. So, Major League Baseball launched an investigation into the Houston Astros sign stealing scheme back in November. That investigation took two months, and since the January 13th publication of the nine-page report on that investigation. Three managers and one executive have lost their jobs, and multiple conspiracy theories have been hatched on the Internet. So let's start with what precipitated the report. So after the 2019 World Series, Ken Rosenthal, the great writer for The Athletic, reported that four people who were with the Astros in 2017 claimed the team had been stealing signs at, at the time. One of those people attached his name to the report, and his former player, Mike Fires. The commissioner's office was already monitoring this scandal dating back to the middle of the 2017 season, but a true investigation began shortly after Rosenthal published those allegations. How important do you think the fact that Mike Fires actually put his name to the allegation was it to the commissioner diving deeper into this? If this was just anonymous and a report went out in the paper, do you think the commissioner's office would have been as vigilant as they were in the investigation? Um, probably not. I think a player putting his name to it was important, but I'll tell you one thing, because I read through the report. I had access to it, so I read through the report, and there was nothing in there about the, the, um, the postseason that just occurred here in 2019. Right. And I can tell you for a fact that, um, I thought, looking back at it after I read the report, that something was going on this year, not even so much in the Yankee series, but in the series against the Rays, where the Rays had won two games in Tampa, they come back to game five. And I remember that first inning of that game when the Astros, you know, took the lead for good. I heard more drum beating on the TV that night than I would at a Beatles concert. And <laughs> I'm wondering if... That incident kind of precipitated it as well, in addition to what the player said. So, But I'm told they, they were not investigating anything from 2019, but I'll tell you, when I read the report, I thought of that game with the Rays, Game 5 in Houston, that got the Astros into their series with the Yankees. And um, it seemed to me that things were being done there. There's the Altuve thing, you know, with... You know, was he, did he have some kind of device on him? That's come out, too. Um, 
But I do think that when a player comes in, I do think, though, that Jessica Mendoza had a point when she said what she said the other day, because I totally get it. When a player is traded to another team, he might say to the team he's playing, you know, watch out for the Astros. They're doing this, they're doing that with the knowledge that he had. I understand that. But to come out and to just say what you think happens without mentioning any players' names, um, I don't know how ethical I think that is. And I know everyone is giving the guy tremendous amounts of plaudits and praise, and the media is doing that too. But I think that, you know, if that were me, I'd have trouble doing that because there's kind of an unwritten rule in the clubhouse that what you see in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse, much less Vegas, stays in Vegas. And this didn't, and I kind of agreed with Jessica Mendoza's take on that. I know she got a lot of criticism for it, but I did think about that a lot as the process was going on. Hey, Rich, Ryan Sherman, it's great to be speaking with you again. So I want to follow up on where you started, where you mentioned that there was no evidence of 2019 you know, wrong. Well, it wasn't part and, of the report. The report focused on 2017. Well, but it said that it, it had started all the way in 2017 after the Red Sox scandal right. had first happened, and, and the, the commissioner and then the, and then had the Red warned Sox, both teams. Right, because then the Red Sox said something about the Yankees having the yes monitor close. Yeah, yeah, about re, uh, misusing the replay phone. Right. So with the Astros, it it just begs to question. It's like I I don't want to get too conspiracy, but. Do you think that the MLB has a, an advantage here to just saying that this happened only over one season? Like, does it look like more of a, a problem that they couldn't control if they admit to a three-year cheating scandal? And does it help the MLB get back up off the mat by just having it be one season, one disciplined year, that we're disciplining them for 2017? They even admitted to 2018 the replay room uh, scheme continued. The trash banging ended. But do you think by only saying that it would happen in one year, it makes it easier for the Well, they're MLB not going to say that because there's now an ongoing investigation into Cora and the Red Sox. So it's yes. the second year that's involved, and that's why Cora's already stepped down because there is an investigation ongoing. But, the, but they found... I, 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 I do think that, but the, I had a lot of problems, a, a few problems with the way Major League Baseball handled it. One is connecting the dots where they want to and not everywhere. And, right. and, and by that I mean simply if you think... Cora took what he knew in Houston to Boston, and they were investigating Boston for that. How do you know Beltron didn't take, this to didn't take what he knew from where he was previously, and where he was previously was the New York Yankees? Yeah, I mean, how do, you, how do we know that that's not the case? And then how do we know, and I don't want to really sound like a conspiracy theorist, and we could do a little JFK movie on this, but... <laughs> I, I, how do you know then when Beltron returned to the Yankees afterwards, he let the Astros know, uh, let the Yankees know what went on when he was in Houston, and then the Yan and then the investigation took another turn, and maybe the Yankees went to the Major League Baseball and said, "Boy, you really need to investigate this from what we understand." Who knows? Um, I, I don't know if we're ever going to know that. But the other big problem I had with what the commissioner did is. When he decided he wasn't going to litigate against any players involved in this, right. I don't know if he realized what he was doing. Is he? He's implicating the players that weren't involved in it, too. And by that, I mean this year when the Astros take the field, it's going to be the worst year for these players that they've ever experienced in their lives. And, and 
what if there are 15 players that participated on the team and 10 that didn't? You know what the media's going to do. They're going to start covering the Astros and trying to get players to admit what they know about the situation, naming players. Now, what happens if a player says, I'm going to go to Ken Rosenthal now, and I'm going to tell him about five circumstances where the players are involved in, and what if this comes out? Does Major League Baseball then go back and say, well, I'm going to have to litigate against these players because now there's evidence? Well, well, I, 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 I just don't understand how the commissioner did that and kind of soiled the whole team, even if there are players on the team who did not participate in it. Well, here's my take on it. The reason why he did this and gave all players immunity and the reason why guys like Corrin Hinch and now Beltran are taking the hit, Beltran's the only player that was on that team because he was a player at that point mentioned. And the reason is those three guys are not a member of the Major League Baseball Players Union. So they don't have the force of the union behind them to be able to sue Major League Baseball or to contest a, a suspension appeal, and, yeah. and appeal it and, and, and make a, a, messy situ, a, a messy situation even messier. That would have probably dragged out through, through and, spring and training. And it's actually and it's horrible. It's, listen, if Beltran did it, listen, then he should be suspended. And my take on Beltran is this, that this whole investigation put the – first of all, if the commissioner was even thinking of having an investigation – and thinking of calling Carlos Beltran as a witness without immunity, a phone call should have been made to the Mets and said, listen, you know, I know you're interviewing this guy, but I'm giving you a heads up, you know, and not even confidentially, we're conducting an investigation. I don't know that there's anything going on with him, but you should be aware of this. All right? They didn't do that, number one. Number two, you know, that then put the Mets in a horrible situation when this came out. However, I think based on everything we know in the world of sports and how, you know, Alex Rodriguez is now on ESPN covering the game of the week. Okay, so we are a forgiving society and we, we somehow forget what cheaters do and, and allow them back in the sport. If the Mets went to Carlos Beltran and said, listen, we're going to have a press conference. We're going to do it now. You are going to answer every question honestly, even if it means that you knew part of this, whatever, okay? And let's bite the bullet now before we get to spring training. And then when you get to spring training, when anyone asks you that question, you can say, I already addressed that situation on, you know, January 23rd. No more questions about that. We, we're done with that. We're moving on. I think the Mets could have still kept Carlos Beltran. My feeling is that Carlos, if he did that, he's figuring that his reputation is now shot and he's not going to maybe make the Hall of Fame because of it. And he, didn't, he wasn't willing to take that gamble. That, that's my gut feeling. What do you think about that, Rich? I do think that the Mets preferred to sever ties as well as, you know, have the situation because they felt it would be something that wouldn't go away. Um, throughout the tenure of Carlos Beltran as manager. I do, however, agree with you that that's a miscalculation because if he came out and talked about it and then there was a chance, it wouldn't move on that very day, but eventually it would get better. But my problem with it is that the way the commissioner revealed Beltran's name, he made him sound like he was the ringleader I'll use a word that one of the other Met beat writers used, a ringleader for the whole process. And I don't know how accurate that is. No, I, um, I agree with you. And, and we, you know, 
but he mentioned no other players' names, so people are going to connect the dots that way and say, well, I guess Beltron and Cora were the ringleaders of the situation. I do think that, um, and I said this on Twitter and I said this on the air on ESPN this week, if I was in that boardroom, what I'd be asking the decision-makers in that room is, didn't we hire Carlos Beltran because we felt he could handle the tough moments as a Met manager? And, and, and listen, no doubt this is a tough moment, but if we think he would not be advantageous to be around during this tough moment, then why did we hire him in the first place? That would be my question. And my way of this would have been very similar to what you just described. Put some support behind the guy. Make him come out and talk to the media about what happened. Make him answer any questions. And he doesn't have to answer every question. He can just say, look, I prefer not to answer that question about the situation. You know, because everyone talks about And I think the way the media, the reason why they were so upset with Beltron is because they felt when he was asked about it prior to the investigation results coming out, he lied about it. Right. And here's a news flash for everyone in the media. The only person that, made, that, that he had to tell the truth to were the investigators. He didn't have to tell the truth to us. You know, and I think because of that, they felt the need to take umbrage with it. I'm wondering, too, if the media took as much verb on this because of what happened in the Astro locker room during one of their celebrations when a team official said something to an SI reporter that was so outlandishly bad, and I agree it was bad, but who knows if that created an environment in the, in the media's minds, but we're going we're gonna to go out and get this organization now. We know this stuff might be true. Let's go with the stories. Who knows? Right. There's so many theories as to how this happened or why this happened. And, but the other part of the problem I have with the commissioner, and this is a simple one, is how do you make sure this doesn't go on anymore? Because if you think the Astros are the only team doing this, then i got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. Now, to me, what you need to do, in addition to litigating with the people that were involved in, you've got to try to create an environment where this doesn't happen again. And i got a simple one. The video rooms during a game in both clubhouses and every stadium across America and Canada, for that matter, have a, have a lock on them with a guard at the door. Now, players like to come in and sometimes see their previous bat and go to the video or, you know, or whatever. That could be permitted, but a Major League Baseball official has to be sitting in there with them while they do it. Because short of that, I don't know how you stop this. Because the technology in this country has just gotten to the point where we know where everyone is at every waking moment. We know things about people that we didn't know before this technology exists. And what's to say now that the teams that are doing it are going to say, oh, we got to be a little more judicious now so we don't get caught. Right. And I think that's the big problem with this. The other problem I have with the media talking about this is, the greatest scandal in the history of baseball. It's not. Nothing will ever top the Black Sox. Right, exactly. I mean, they, they, are, they are getting carried away. But here, here's the other thing, which to me is it's wrong on so many levels. So the story goes that A.J. Hinch, during the course of, of that season, broke three monitors, okay, which was a sign, no, no <laughs> pun intended, that mm-hmm. 
that he wasn't in on this. He didn't want this to happen. He, this was something he was against. Okay, you know. So short of him reporting his own players, what, you know, obviously this was not something he orchestrated. It wasn't something he supported. Why is he the guy that's falling on the knife? It's just not right. It's not right, and I'll go even further than that. It's Don't not even tell a suspend- me the, the owner right. who fired his manager and general manager as soon as they got litigated didn't know about this. And don't tell me he's not reveling in the money these these guys won for him knowing this was going on. There so was... I know that he tried to play like the moral police. Right. Uh, you know, but don't play the moral police with me because you knew exactly what was going on and you're still counting the money that you won and the the money that your organization made throughout this three-year tenure of an Astro team that won a lot of games. So that's the other part of it I, I, I didn't buy at all, because if don't play the moral police with me when you were the guy involved and owned the team while the morality had gone south. And I th- listen, I think A.J. Hinch understands what happened to him. I, I firmly believe that 24 months from now, 12 to 24 months from now, A.J. Hinch will have another job in baseball. I, I think he will. I but um, I just think that that whole that whole scenario. I think Hinch, you know, the stories are he knew about it. You're right, though. What do you do? Do you go out in the media and say, "I want to tell everyone, by the way, before we start this series with the Yankees, that my team's been cheating for the last three years." I mean, is that what people I mean, wanted he, to hear him say? Because that's really not advantageous to the organization, to the players he manages, to himself, or to the sport. And um, he tried to get them to stop by, you know, smashing three monitors, you know, but I don't know what else people wanted him to do. And I certainly don't think the organization he works for treated him in the right way, unless they're going to give, unless the Astros say, we want to really be the moral police here, Mark. Let's give back the money we won to charity. Yeah. So that nobody thinks. We're both approached there, but they didn't do that. They're still counting their money in their checking account. So before we make the Astro organization out to doing the right thing and walking the moral right way, um, let's kind of count the money that they've earned because of this and the fact that they knew exactly what was going on every waking moment of the day. There, there was some smugness along the way, though, from A.J. Hinch. When, when the whistling was brought up in this playoffs, he kind of laughed it off and said that, you know, if this was something we thought would bother them, we would have been practicing it since spring training. So he didn't exactly go out there and say, you know, ooh, we're innocent. But another one of the things that I think the report tried to just tie up with a bow and act like we were just going to move on was, like you said, how A.J. Hinch had been known to know about it with the monitors breaking it. And had he had just asked his players to stop, they would have stopped. And had the players known that the manager wanted them to stop, they would have stopped. But that never happened, and so it just continued. And that's why the the commissioner who set the precedent in 2017 when the Red Sox Apple Watch came down, he said the people I'm going to hold responsible for this are the general manager and the field manager. So he stuck to that. But I think he could have gone further with the players. I think he was just afraid of the legality of it. I agree 100%. Right, and, and I guess what that means is Brody Van Wagenen has a better relationship with the Players Association than the commissioner of baseball does because Brody was able to get them off the perch so they would not go to court on the Ioannis Cespedes thing. Right. So I, I guess that's what we're saying. The commissioner of baseball 
does not have as good a relationship with the Major League Baseball Players Association as the general manager of the New York Mets does. Or, uh, playing devil's advocate, the Mets had enough evidence that the Major League Players Association wasn't willing to take that risk of exposing what actually happened you know, with the, the wild boar. But l- let's dig a little further now. Because spring training is right around the corner. Three teams are looking for managers. Does what the Mets look for in a manager now change? Um, can they no longer go with an inexperienced manager due to all the chaos that now is going on and need a steady hand, or can they still go that direction? Well, I think baseball's changed so much in the last 10 years. And I wish they would rename the manager title and just call it a caretaker, because <laughs> that's what it is. Because the manager's decisions are all made by people above them in the organization. Maybe not the general manager. It could be the baseball statistical department, the nerd balls who love stats, or whoever it is in an organization. And I'll give you one example in last year's playoffs, the Braves series with the Cardinals. Dallas Keuchel's on the mound, and it's like the third or fourth inning, and Paul Goldschmidt comes up with two guys on for the Cardinals, and Brian Snitker jumps out of the Braves dugout like someone had put an electronic cattle prod, you know where, to take Keiko out of the game. And Keiko had been pitching well up to that point. And my point is, he was probably told by his baseball people, if we get past the second or third inning of this game and Paul Goldschmidt comes up with two on, you got you got to take Keiko out and bring a righty in. It was just too much of a moment where I looked at it and I said, that's a statistical moment. Now, the real reason I bring this all up is, I think a baseball manager, because he's a caretaker, the biggest thing he needs to have, or she, if we ever have a female manager, is they need to be able to relate to players well. Okay? Their their level of experience doesn't really matter. And that's why there's so many managers getting hired with no managerial experience. We saw one win a World Series, and we saw another one win a World Series last year. Right. So... I just think the experience factor, the, the days of the Tony LaRusses and the Robbie Valentines and the Buck Showalters are gone. So, the best way to describe a baseball manager now, we've all lived in apartment buildings in our life, he's the superintendent of the building. <laughs> he, he's not the owner of the building. He's not the manager of the building. He's not the guy that runs credit reports on potential rentals. He's the guy that makes sure the water keeps running. Right, Terry And that's Terry, what a baseball manager has become. Right. Terry yeah. Collins told me, I'll never forget this, you know, he and I kind of cleared the air when it was down in Port St. Lucie about the issue I had of him not playing Wilma Flores when he first came up. And he just looked at me and he said, Mark, you have to understand, the days of a manager being a manager are over. I'm middle management. And, and that's what he basically told me. He said, you know, there's so much more that goes into baseball that, you know, years ago the general manager, you know, might have been in the, the manager's office once or twice a year. Now he's in there every single game. It's a totally different game. I agree with you. Lastly, all right, different note here. Obviously, the Astros will be public enemy number one this season around the league. How many pitchers will be tempted to throw at Astro hitters that they suspected still stole signs against them? And when the Yankees play the Astros the first time, will the crew chief immediately issue warnings to both benches? And if Chapman throws at Altuve, will he automatically be thrown out and possibly fined? Um, great question. I think there will be a warning when the Yankees play the Astros. Which and is crazy, I think, right? I mean, if you think about it. <laughs> I think if that's the case and someone throws at someone when there's a warning, 
they're immediately thrown out of the game, and they would be possibly litigated against by Major League Baseball. And and this is my thing with Altuve and Chapman. Let's assume Altuve knew the pitch that was coming. Okay, he's still hungry. I would say if I was Altuve, I would say to Chapman, like, you know. A lot of people knew the pitch that Mariano Rivera was going to throw. Everyone knew the pitch that still couldn't get it. Everyone still couldn't hit it. Exactly. You know? So if you're a great relief pitcher, I could know what you're throwing, and you should still get it by me, and it shouldn't hit some fan in the outfield bleachers to end a series. That would be my answer to, to Araldus Chapman. And the other part of it is got to be real careful, just like you had to be careful in the steroid era. For players to come out and start to say, I can't believe these teams do steroids. How do you know in your own clubhouse who wasn't doing steroids when you said that? And the same thing here. If you start, you know, and I know there was some trolling done by Sabathia and Chapman throughout this process. Be careful what you're thinking about because people are going to think, and I'll tell you, when I covered the 2007 Mets, I was convinced the Phillies were using electronic surveillance against the Mets in Philadelphia. And when they got that seven-game lead down to three with a four-game sweep, especially when Billy Wagner was on the mound. Now, some of that may have been Wagner was one to Philly, and they knew maybe things that he did. But I saw coaches standing by Ashburn Alley. I saw a lot of things. that, And from what I understand, and I have no confirmation on this, but from what I understand, the Mets asked Major League Baseball to look into this. And Major League Baseball refused to look into it. And if there's anything that happens in the future with any team suspecting it, because of what just happened, Major League Baseball has to look into it and can't say, no, they're not going to look into it. And I think that's where it gets tricky because if teams think they're sign-stealing, I know the Mets for a fact thought that some sign-stealing was going on this year when they were in Dodger Stadium. I know that for a fact that the Mets thought that. Okay. So now, where do you where do you like where do you draw the line? And I think that's the problem with this: that now when teams lose, they're going to use this as an excuse. You can't rewrite history. You can't rewrite championships because if you did, the first thing I thought of is in the steroid era. Maybe the '88 Red Sox deserved to have the chance in a World Series to end the curse of the Bambino that year. When McGuire and McGuire and yeah, you know Conseco were playing them in the championship series, maybe the Red Sox would have beaten the Yankees two straight years if Jason Giambi, who I think we're all pretty sure did steroids, didn't hit two homers in a game in which Aaron Boone ended up ending the game with a homer. We don't know any of these things, okay? And there's no way of predicting it and bringing it back and saying this should have been done or that should have been done, and. You know, for Yankee fans or for the Yankee organization or Yankee players to start taking umbrage with the fact they didn't beat the Astros when they had people on their team like Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit, Jason Giambi in the in in their in the in the years which they won a bunch of championships, and we all know that it was Roid Rage that threw a bat at Mike Piazza. So, with all that there. You can't rewrite history, and anyone connected with the Yankees that wants to make this poor us, I, I think anyone with half a brain is going to realize that's just an exercise in futility. Agreed. Richie, thanks so much for your time. Always a pleasure having you on with us. We miss uh, you here in the studio as well. And good health, Rich. Good health. I, I really appreciate that, and, and Mark, your friendship has meant a lot to me throughout my whole, you know, 
I'm in total remission now with cancer, and the fact that I could sit and pick up the phone and talk sports to you or see you in a Met game in the press box and not think about chemotherapy, those are the things in special moments you remember so much. So thank you, my friend. You got it. Hope to see you Tuesday at the Garden. Rich Catino, ESPN New York Met beat reporter.